Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North-South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com Connection Podcast Network fans, welcome inside the Wrestling Warzone, a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series of North South Connection, the most inclusive podcast network across the internet today. Join me as ever as my buddy Chad recently celebrated a big birthday. How are you doing, buddy? Happy birthday. Number number 37. So getting up there. Let's see. If we equate it to WrestleMania's, 37 was pretty good. That was Tampa. First back, <laughs> first back from COVID. It's a strong year. I'm going to say that. I don't use the Chinese calendar or the Chinese New Year's calendar or the Gregorian calendar. I use the WrestleMania calendar to, to dictate how my years are going to go. That was where uh, Reigns, Edge, and Brian. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Lashley and uh, Drew? No, Lashley. Is it Drew? Might have been. Anyway. I, I got one match. So that's, about all you, that's about all you Well, know. no, that has the really good Bianca-Sasha match with the hair. Oh, right, right. right. Yeah. And had Bray in the box as well. <laughs> that one. Of course. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so welcome into Wrestling Warzone. Again, we're simulcast video and audio videos on our YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, leave a comment there. And, of course, audio on any podcast app. Searching North South Connection. On this podcast here, we're going through the history of the Monday Night Wars. We started with uh, back in September 1995, and we are finally in the promised land of 1997. It took us a long march through the year of 96 to get here. But we are finally in agreement that we are hitting the stretch where every show is going to matter going forward yes. for a while. Um, you know, Raw has finally picked up. WCW is rolling on all cylinders. And tonight we are talking solely WCW because we're talking Clash of the Champions from January 1997, Chad. Um, this is kind of, well, first I should say it's, it's the next to last Clash ever, right? Because yeah. maybe one more in August and then we're done. Um, I think this is one of the more forgotten clashes. Like, I think it's not one you jumps to your mind about any big moments or anything that happens on it that stands out. Not to say it wasn't a solid show. I just, I don't think it's one you immediately think of when you're thinking of like the legendary clashes. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I didn't have any memory of this show whatsoever. Um, when I rewatched it and we'll get to it. Like it's a solid watch, but I, I mean, I think it feels a little lame duck too. like them having it the tuesday before a pay-per-view on saturday mm-hmm. is kind of weird um there's no hogan on the show which 
seems like they're already kind of counting his appearances. So we're, we're January 20th, 21st or whatever, and mark it down. They're already kind of <laughs> making sure he's not blowing through right. all, all through his appearances. So um, it's, it's, it's an interesting show. It's tough because I feel like they really wanted to do that big week. It's like, oh, we're in Chicago. We're at the... You know, we get Clash in Milwaukee, then we get the pay-per-view, like we get, we're there for the TV, whatever the hell was going on. It was like, they would try to really make it like a big week. But to your point, I think it ends up hurting a little bit. We we talked about its effects on Nitro, right? We feel like they held back a lot on Nitro. We talked about it in our last episode and how as a result of having this Clash next night, they, they held back on some stuff or used it to promote the Clash. And now we get a pay-per-view in four days, a rare Saturday night pay-per-view, when it's like, it feels, again, like we're a little bit in a holding. I, I think they would have been better served to do this um, either a couple of weeks ago or a couple, like, put this between Sold Out and Super Brawl, maybe. Yeah, I, I guess they're at the mercy of TBS, but if they would have cobbled together the best aspects of, like, the in-ring action on this show uh, with some of the bigger moments, like the Sting, Randy Savage stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, we can just mention that. There's nothing on that. Not tonight. at all. There's nowhere to Neither be found. shows up. The and... next night. It's not like it's a week late. Like, the next night, they're not, they're not there at all. Like, it's so that's that's a big crazy. angle. Yeah. So, they probably could have had, like, one great show if you take the bo- best of both of these shows. Yeah. But it does dilute it that they had four hours of programming in these two nights. I mean, and, and not to get too ahead of ourselves either, but Singing Savage... I don't, I don't, I know Savage isn't sold out. I don't remember if Sting is, but like they don't do much if they aren't. So it's almost like either is, but I don't don't know why they did it the week they did. Like maybe they should have done that as the fallout from sold out Savage shows up. I get maybe they wanted to do it in Chicago, make it a big deal the night after the Rumble, probably trying to capture some of that. But it feels like they did it and then they waited a week to do anything else on it anyway when they had two other major shows. Right. All right. Well, you ready to dive in to the show proper? Dig into uh, Milwaukee. We're at the Mecca. Um, pretty historic wrestling building overall. Very generic kind of opening. Just giving us the rundown of the matches. Words right off my page, Chad. Generic opening video. Yep. Um, so uh, nothing, nothing real super there. Uh, did notice in the graphics package of the opening, Ultimo is still Ultimate Dragon. So they hadn't quite figured that out. Um, I know during the opening matchup, there's some interchangeable. Bobby calls him Ultimate Dragon a couple times. Uh, so it is Dusty, Tony, and Bobby in the booth uh, for us tonight. Also- our best. That's our best team. I mean, I like Larry uh, a lot, but this is our this is our premier trio right here. Yep, yep. Uh Dusty pandering to the Milwaukee crowd. This is Tuesday before the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's crazy that sold out was the night before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk about that, but it's weird. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dusty has on a Packers colors coat, which I yes. thought was pretty cool. I don't think it was like an official Packers coat, but it was that green and gold. Um, so, so it looked good. And uh, we pretty much head right into our opener. Which well, is... Dusty does have weird, one weird line. He goes, we get to watch a real live domestic dispute on national TV. Tonight. Oh. So, like, it just, it feels, I don't know. I know it's a different time, but, like, he's basically excited to watch, like, 
a marital dispute play out in a war. Yeah, like, he, just say we get to watch a real live heated brawl. Like, like don't say a just domestic. Oh, we actually get to see one. Like, <laughs> then it's not behind closed doors. We get to see the wife and the husband fight. Baby. It's like, yeah, he, uh, he goes back to that well a lot yeah, on this show. But we also hype. The big hype is that the Steiners, the first time in a while, are going to be in, in action together family. with yes. Scott being back. Yes. So that's that's kind of the main selling point, honestly. Like besides Benoit Sullivan of this show, is the Steiners in action for the first time since I think we was it like September was the last time. I know they were at Road Wild. Yeah, yeah. Then yes. they kind of did that back to back with Sting and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our opener, it's a rematch of Starcade and the night before, which we talked about how stupid that was. Uh, Dean Malenko versus Ultimo Dragon. Mike Tanay joins us on commentary. Uh, Tony lets us know that Malenko's made the Cruiserweight Championship his goal. Some basic mat wrestling to start. Tony automatically mentions the Super Bowl. Um, and then they go right to Bray, like two minutes into the match. Get the uh, NWO hotline ad, $1.59 a minute there. Back from break, Malenko's kind of working him over in the corner. Uh, Bobby says Dragon's been hanging around with Dennis Rodman because all he's doing is kicking the man. So this must have been right after Rodman kicked that photographer or whatever right in the nuts um, at uh, courtside. Uh, Ultimo is able to take over. Uh, Malenko bells the outside after a stiff kick. Um, and then uh, he starts kind of going after the legs of Ultimo. So D- Malenko really takes over, and this this is a this is a match to me really of two halves. So the first half is what happens right here with the mat wrestling leading up to Malenko gaining the advantage, uh, working over the legs of Ultimo. He gets the half crowd hooked in. The crowd's kind of behind Malenko. Um, uh, Dean takes. Ultimo to the outside, grabs his leg and puts that over the railing. That looked good. Uh, and then a cool figure four happens where Ultimo actually grabs the leg of Malenko too, so he's not able to lock it in all the way. So some good counter wrestling. Um, I enjoyed that. And then we kind of flip the switch. We go right to the ending segment. So so Dragon hits a spin wheel kick. Uh, he goes to the top and gets caught. Superplex gets a huge pop from the p- crowd. <laughs> Bobby says you're seeing a dragon fly. So making a uh, making a nice uh, joke there. Uh, and then he says, Dusty, what do you call 40 millionaires watching the Super Bowl? The Dallas Cowboys, uh, which was a uh, a great, um, that was a great <laughs> dig at Dusty there. Uh, He's so been we'll, all over Dusty at the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Lately, it's just been great. Yeah, <laughs> Kills him with the uh, Cowboy jab. Uh, so Malenko goes for the powerbomb, gets reversed into the Rana. Springboard drop kick from Dragon. Both are on the outside. Dragon's able to hit the Asei Moonsault. A Brain Buster Moonsault back on the inside gets a near fall for Dragon. Uh, the, the crowd gets distracted here. And I thought somebody, you know, like, like a run-in or something was coming down the aisle. But what I think happened is somebody just like tripped and fell. Because you can kind of see like somebody on the floor in the aisleway and security's like over them. So I, I don't know what happened there, but that was humorous. Yep. Uh, Frankensteiner from Ultimo. 
Uh, Dean goes for the Cloverleaf, but Ultimo uh, rolls him up for a two count. Butterfly powerbomb. Sonny Ono gets on the apron. Dean forearms him and then locks on the Cloverleaf and gets the tap out victory. Uh, so we have a new cruiserweight champion here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned, like, I think this is a match of two halves, and both halves are good. I just didn't think there was much coherent between the two halves. Right. Um, this this was a difficult match for me to rank because I, I enjoyed everything about the match. But as somebody that I know I can be pretty critical of selling and consistency with selling, and this really was a case of the first half of the match, the legs worked on a good bit, and then the second half of the match it's forgotten completely. Like, like at one point Ultimo springboards off and lands on the floor with both his legs and he doesn't even limp or nothing. He's hitting Nase, moonsaults, everything. So it's definitely forgotten. Um, it was exciting. Um, so I, I was, I was very conflicted with the rating here. This is also a match that has a wild Dave Meltzer rating. He gave this four and a half stars, which I think wow. is the, wildest ones from there as far as overrating um yeah i landed at three and a half like i I think it's really good and i think if we'd have had a little more consistent selling from ultimo this could have been a great match in my mind um because and he was doing so many other little touches like the blocking of the figure four it's like they did so many things right it's just you can't have four to five minutes committed of a 15 minute match to really working over this leg and it to be just completely forgotten in my opinion. So a really good opener, but one that I, you know, I get three and a half to. I thought today was pretty good. He says, uh, Dean has something to prove. He's Owen two in title matches with dragon. You know, he's mm-hmm. one other stuff. So that, that was like a good selling point for this too. Um, you know, he gets into the J crown situation as well. Yeah. I like the delayed suplex by Dean. That looked good. We could talk about Ray. He's been out with a knee injury, but he'll be back in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, the superplex by Dean got a big pop, and that was, yeah. you know, I'm always, always saying I'm a big mark for, for a nice superplex, and this was a really good one. Uh, see, Moonsault was good. Uh, mark Curtis, a little lenient on that countout. Uh, Dean gets in a little late on the 10, but he, he lets it slide. Um, Dragon is always crisp and everything, though. The Acai Moonsault, the Moonsault Press, the Top Rope Rana, like everything is just really always on point. Um, I like the finish too with knocking down uh, Sonny and then goes to the clover leaf and gets the clean tap, which I thought was a really cool finish. First three time cruiserweight champion. Uh, just a really hot opener. Like this is kind of what we wanted from nitro. I thought the night before, right. We mm-hmm. talked about it. Malenko seemed locked in and, and on fire. Like he came in with something to prove. I don't know if he was aggravated with the night before or not, but he clearly came in trying to prove a point. Um, you know, I thought a Starcade we were down on this, like, it didn't quite hit. It was solid. The TV match on Nitro, the constraints really killed it. Um, I thought this had a great finish. Um, and they had less time here as well, which, you know, they, they didn't have to play with too. So I thought it was a great finish. The crowd was rabid um, at the end. And I think it was a cool moment, a really good way to start the clash off. So I'm a little bit higher than you. I went three and three quarters. Um, but I, I liked it a lot and definitely the best of their series that we've seen so far. Four and a half is, is pretty wild, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Melts. Uh, so you had this higher than Starcade? Uh, let me check the same race. Um, because I, I definitely think I like Starcade a little better. I have Starcade at four. Oh, four. Okay, no, I had this higher. Okay, yeah, I had Starcade at four, yeah. too. So we were the same. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I thought this was a good match. I, this, I'm sorry, this... I, I misremembered. I had 
I, I thought I wrote it didn't hit at Starcade. What I meant was this didn't hit the Starcade. Oh, level, the, the but they, because they had less time and in, in yeah. the TV stuff, you know. But they could right. they almost got right. there. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, you could have put. I mean, they definitely again, like we'll talk about it. Like they could have put this on Nitro, mm-hmm. at, like the time wise, and it would have been really yeah. good. But it's just was what it was. All right, we come back from break and uh, right into our next match. Well, did you get the uh, promotional considerations, the sponsors? I didn't write down. All the right, here we go. I was, know Babylon uh, was one, but nope, not for this. The promotional oh. consideration is uh, Slim Jim, of course, Chef Boy RD, which oh, is yeah. sponsored every wrestling show in the nineties, and um, D three Mighty Ducks uh, yes. three on VHS. So I don't know where, where do you stand on three? We usually uh, rank the American well, Pies, but let's rank uh, let's rank the Mighty Ducks. See, uh, the little promo said they're calling it the best Mighty Ducks yet, uh, which I, I, I vehemently disagree with. Um, I, I mean, I'll say as a kid, I was a D2 guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've come around. I, I think um, I, had a, I had a crush on the uh, Iceland coach that uh oh i think you're gonna say julie the cat gaffney no i mean uh, she was too but uh the coach that bombay was uh hitting (laughs) on i i was also (laughs) infatuated with so that a little uh little finch bringing it back to america pie likes to all the ladies (laughs) what is it greenland is full of ice and iceland (laughs) is very nice that's always but yeah i mean the first one's the best second one i still think's Close, good, solid, like, close. Yeah. movie. You know, it, the second one to me fits right in with like that little big league rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of old uh, blank check. The yes. creepiest movie you'll ever watch. <laughs> the lady kissing the kid in the mouth is like the worst. <laughs> that never gets talked about nearly enough. Is like the creepiest nineties movie. An insane, ever. an absolute insane <laughs> storyline where FBI agent courses a ten-year-old kid to. Uh, kiss in the mouth to reveal his secrets but yes yeah it was messed up um i saw like that meme that always goes around like a couple times a year about how uh charlie is like the worst person in d3 like he wants this college team to be named after like his little league ice team like gets on gordon's ass for like getting a real paying job and <laughs> instead of coaching his hockey team like it was like you know it's like the fourth it's like the old grandpa joe one that goes around right like his lazy ass watch everyone work until it's time to go to the candy shop and they get up um it's like that with charlie like all these awful things he does uh i do remember on d3 like as a as a 10 year old i thought the uh the ducks suck like where they wrote that on the locker yeah, room yeah. or whatever. I thought that was very edgy. I was like, ooh, <laughs> big, big time trash talk there. In a Disney but, movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely not the best of the series. Uh, Chef Boy RD, that's a wild commercial too because the guy's like eating it in the jungle, which I don't quite get that. Like they make it at the. It's almost like they like it has like the primate sound, you know, like right. the, ooh, yeah. ooh, it's like what what is this? Isn't survival primal food. urge? To like, eat. Yeah, like right, if Chef you're Boy. if you're going camping, you're bringing Chef Boy RD. Like I don't, I, don't, I didn't understand that either. But um, I Chef you know Boy I don't RD? think I've ever eaten Chef Boy RD. Oh yeah, that's exciting. That was a big yeah. thing for me as a kid. Like that and SpaghettiOs. 
that that was my Italian though. So you know, but, uh, when but, you have like my grandmother yeah. making homemade yeah. pasta in the basement, that it's was, like you know, it's hard to was, like justify buying Chef Boyardee. You know, it was gourmet. Um, yeah. We didn't have the Olive Garden at that point, but um, yeah, I, I don't think that's a thing now. I mean, obviously, like it's still out, but like my kids have never ate Chef Boyardee, so that went by the wayside. All right. Was that it, those three? That's the three big ones. Okay, got you. Uh, so we come back. Two jobber entrances. Bell rings. It's Mike Enos versus Scotty Riggs. Uh, Riggs slugs away. Enos doesn't even have his jacket off. Uh, Enos takes a wild spill to the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty calls Buff Bagwell little Buffy when they're talking about <laughs> the uh, sold-out match between Scotty Riggs and Buff Bagwell. Rig starts uh, pounding on Enos on the outside, but gets sent to the ring apron. Clothesline from the apron to the floor for Big Mike. And uh, belly-to-back suplex inside. And then just as abrupt in it finish as you can possibly get, where Riggs literally ducks the clothesline, hits a flying forearm, and just pins him. Uh, so this, this was all just like enhancement for Riggs leading into the sold-out match was what it was i want to start in a corner yeah it's tough because like it's tough to say oh we're gonna give rigs a showcase on the clash which yeah when you think of like the old clashes i mean i guess they had these types of matches right i guess they just got to seem bigger in retrospect but they would have little showcases like this too it just feels like rigs is just a kind of going nowhere guy mm-hmm. even though i mean he's really just exists right now for bagwell to get it a first step in a, as a win as a heel and put the males to bed uh dusty calling him little buffy bagwell <laughs> made me laugh even though it completely emasculates this character that's trying to get over it out of the gate um we get a lot of talk about bischoff and savage here and you know basically says like is the nwo going to make things really hard for us on the pay-per-view like it the team wcw like are they going to be you know, put in real tough positions on this pay-per-view. Uh, this felt like a Nitro match all the way. Uh, Riggs is ready for Buffy. Star and a half for me. Uh, NWO sold out t-shirt, which we've seen. 20 plus 5. And did you see the P.O. Box? No. Work right oh, work right yes. I did see <laughs> that. I did, I did know I can know to that. Um, Maybe you wonder if, like, because Warwick was, like, a big, like, you would see that a lot on, um, different merchandise and stuff. And like, I know Hasbro as obviously in Rhode Island. So like the Hasbro Dodia figures, like a lot of times, like the catalogs and different stuff would say Hasbro, uh, cause they had their big toy vault and everything. The shirt one interested me. Cause I'm like, that wouldn't be like a toy thing. So I was wondering like where that started, like why they were using them that of all places, like an Atlanta based company was using Rhode Island for like, yeah. I wonder if they had like a dist- they must've just had like a distribution center or something there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe on the pipeline. Uh, so it's it's a WSW show around this time, so we got to get our big four horsemen interview. Uh, no flair tonight. Gene mentions that they had a summit meeting this morning that he kind of eavesdropped in. Then Benoit takes over. He says the horsemen will dominate in 1997. Um, and then we get a lot on Kevin Sullivan. And again, like, you know, it's tough knowing what happens. This, I thought, was mm-hmm. very unfortunate with the way he Benoit phrases a lot of stuff here on this promo. Um, so he says, uh, Sullivan, you're looking into your destiny. I can take away whatever one of yours anytime I please. <laughs> uh, we want Flair chant from the crowd. Um, Benoit says it's irrelevant that he made it personal. He's beating Sullivan mentally, physically, and spiritually. 
when he doesn't get what he wants, he cripples. Mm -hmm. He t he says Sullivan has, or no, he he actually says I have a yeah, very have a fragile mind. mind. <laughs> yeah. yep. Take yep, away you everything you have. I was like, good lord. Uh, the last thing I will take away from you will be your career. Uh, so, so a very personal, like focused uh, promo from Benoit on to Sullivan and the feud overall. Then Arnold chimes in and says, "The fact that uh, fact is, Sullivan, this man reached in and ripped out your heart, out of your chest tonight. You will see how the horsemen operate." Mongo chimes in. He calls them a bunch of Lindberger losers. Uh, he says, "As a famous guy around here said in Wisconsin, winning ain't everything. It's the only thing." He cuts a promo on Sullivan too. Says tonight is Horseman time, baby. And uh, so, so basically, this is a promo that is supposed to show the horsemen more united, right? Yeah, they even said so, they have the summit at a Chicago restaurant and they're going to dominate. They're back together. Yeah. So so Arn and Benoit Woman <clears throat> walk away. Deborah grabs the mic right at the end. Uh, says she has something to say. She is having a great time. Well, you know, Gene, I don't mean to be catty, but they do happen to call her the queen of WCW because she is very beautiful and young. Which I mean, how young was Deborah at this point in time? She wasn't that young, was she? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna say, <laughs> what's your guess? I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna guess she was in her 30s. Yeah, I was gonna say like 34. Let's see. Yeah. She was born in 1960, so uh, she was in 30, almost 37. Yeah, 37. So I, I mean, I wouldn't say young, right? Uh, but she says, "Woman's the queen of Sheba because she's been dead for two thousand <laughs> years and looks it." So, so the horsemen's united, but Deborah's still getting her shots in. Right. On, uh, well, I, I kind of like the approach though too. So, uh, Nancy was born in 1964 so she was actually th four years younger it. so it actually works if you look at it as like a caddy like she knows that she's older you know um but i like it because they're they're showing like they're trying to put on this united front and pull it back together but there's still this underlying issue of deborah still kind of maybe being hot for jarrett like we've kind of had that to the side a little bit but it seeps uh -huh. in still having her issues with woman right and they've been saying like oh you know these women cause problems like that's the story they're trying to portray. Like the horsemen are trying to will themselves back to success, but this one issue is still part of the problem, and it's Deborah. All right. Uh six man lucha is next. Your boy Conan, Mr. JL, <laughs> and La Parca versus Chris Jericho, Chavo Guerrero Jr., and Super Colo. Uh, a lot of substitutions here. So, mm -hmm. Uvi, uh was supposed to be in this match. I, they didn't say why, right? They just said, he just he said he's out. away tonight. Yeah, I don't know. So, Jericho. Jer oh, he was the one that had travel issues the night Oh, that's before. right. Yeah, the night before. So he yeah, so he probably be still couldn't get there. Screwed up. Uh, so, Jericho subs in for him, which I think Jericho subbed in for him last. Yeah, last he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, so, the Jericho has like a pretty good big match on tap for sold out and he wasn't going to be on either show yeah i don't know what the unless they had him scheduled for other stuff and then they stick him in here maybe but mm -hmm. 
and Laparka is taking Psychosis's place too. So uh, today goes over the trios being the foundation of Lucha Libre. Says you know it's not uncommon to see three or four matches on a card be trios matches. Uh, Chavo and JL start off back elbow by JL to Chavo. Chavo comes back with a drop kick, tags in Kolo. So now we have Kolo versus Conan. Conan fires off some rolling arm drags. Uh, Super Kolo does that neat head scissors from the top rope. Uh, then we get Laparka versus Jericho, which I think is an interesting pairing mm-hmm. that you don't really think about because, like, it was one that I don't know how much interaction they really have with each other. And then I started thinking historically, I was like, this is probably like two of my top 100 wrestlers of all time, or at least guys like in the conversation. So it's a neat pairing seeing these two together. Uh, Parka like squeals. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that was. It was like, ah. Um, Banshee is what they said it sounded like on the announcing. Uh, the gets, Banshee! He gets a flash power slam. Jericho hits the missile drop kick from the second rope. Uh, as Laparka goes to the outside, here comes Conan. Double leapfrog and clothesline from Conan Laparka. Then they do like a doomsday corkscrew, which looked pretty wild. Uh, Chavo gets a crossbody. The action's really fast and furious here. Uh, nice back spin kick from JL. Dusty says you need a scorecard to keep up with everything. Then we get our big uh, dive train on the outside. Jericho hits a plancha. Mm-hmm. JL hits a big crossbody from the top. Slingshot plancha from Chavo. Parka hits a full tope that was wild, lands kind of right on top of his head on the uh, concrete, and then uh, back inside, uh, Super Kolo hits a tope con Hilo to a big pop. Back inside, head scissor takeover from JL gets two, and then Jericho's able to hit the Super Frankensteiner off the top rope for the win. So, I mean, this was like six minutes, so very abbreviated, and there was a little bit of slop in there. But I thought this was a neat collection of six guys that I don't think we'll see much interaction with again, like these six together. I thought they had a lot of excitement, a lot of uh, cool stuff that they did. A very good contrast to the trios match we saw in Royal Rumble, <laughs> uh, where those guys looked ancient. So yeah. I, I went, I went three stars here. I thought this was a very fun six-minute showcase match for a lot of these guys. Yeah, I was lower. Um, I went two and a half. I, I the sloppiness kind of got to me. Um, I think too, like I was happy to see it because they haven't done this yet. And I'm right. Whenever you think of Nitro and WCW, everyone always talks about like, oh, they showcase all the cruiserweights, right? They open the show with the cruiserweights and get the. T-. We haven't seen that yet, really. Um, I'm curious when it starts to really become a thing. Is it not for a while, or is it not at all? Is it a false? Memory? I think it's over. I've I've always been a proponent that, that was over, like inflated. Yeah. Just so we'll see. It. We'll track it. I mean, so this is something we haven't seen a lot of. Um, I think the one problem with Jericho being in here is he has been pushed above these guys. Hmm. So it almost, and I guess Conan too to an extent, but it almost like I feel like the best cruiser stuff during this era is dudes that are all on the same level, just balling out and trying to show off. And it almost like Jericho had to shine a bit more than them because he's got the big pay-per-view match and that like stood out a little. Um, right. The finish was good with the super Frankensteiner. I like that. Um, the wailing was great by Parka. Dusty loves calling things Banshees. I think he used to say it about a woman too when she would yell. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like a banshee. Yeah. A banshee baby. Uh, but yeah, so again, not the full high-flying madness you'd probably want to see, but we did get the car style. 
the crowd was into it. They weren't into Jericho at all, by the way. They were like, he got jeered when he cleaned house. Like, they seemed down on him for some reason. Um, I like the big dive flurry you mentioned. Uh, and I think it made sense to spotlight Jericho. It was just weird that the crowd wasn't into him. And again, it kind of made everyone else feel like a, a rung below. So I went two and a half. Like, I, I thought it was a good little showcase for six minutes. But it's something I'd be like, you know, pimping on a message board to go check out, you know. I thought it was a little weird Conan being a Dungeon of Doom member. That too. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Conan match, I'm higher than you on. I never thought I'd see the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, we come back with another like jobber entrance start. So back from break, it's uh, Harlem Heat versus oh this tag team, <laughs> Joe Gomez and the Renegade. Still around, still yeah. hanging around. Yes, uh, Harlem Heat clubs Gomez to start. Dusty rips into Sherry tonight. He calls her top heavy. Says she's in a size five dress when it should be about an eight. <laughs> uh, it's like Jesus. Uh, Gomez is sent to the outside. Sherry slaps him. Leg drop from Stevie Ray. This is all harm heat so far. Booker T misses a leg drop from the middle turnbuckle. Renegade gets tagged in for the first time. Does like a one-minute house of fire sequence. But then puts his head down, gets clotheslined, and then they immediately hit the heat seeker to win. So this was, I mean, this was straight like enhancement showcase mm-hmm. stuff too. Again, I went a star and a half. Yeah, starting out for me too. It's just showing off Harlem Heat. But again, they're not even on the pay-per-view. So, like, what are we no. really using this time for? Like, Nitro felt completely misused. And we're not trending much better on the clash. Like, I know you want to keep these guys in the purview, but you have two hours of TV on Monday. Like, give Harlem Heat a match there. This clash should have been all about the hard sell for sold out. Showcase those guys. This was not needed. Like a, a one minute, two minute squash for Harlem Heat. This could have been used. Um, in a much different way. Tony does get the hype Super Bowl tickets. Those are on sale. So February 23rd at the Cow Palace. And Nitro's coming back to the Omni on March 3rd. He mentions that as well. Yeah. Um, but just a squash. And again, and maybe it was the point. Maybe the point was to give them time to hype events, right? So maybe that was the whole point of this. But beyond that, it's just kind of, okay, Harlem Heat's really aimless right now. They're not in the mix for much. So, star and a half. Yeah. I, I mean... Even if they could have done like them versus faces of fear is like a, you know, winner gets a championship shot down the line or something, you know, whatever. Uh, our road report with Stagger Lee is next. You got some notes on that one? I do. Uh, yeah, he's in Clear Lake, which is just outside Des Moines, Iowa. He says it's the birthplace of John Wayne. And that Bobby's favorite musical group is Hootie and the Blow Weasels, of course. Uh, Bobby says, why don't you stay in Iowa with Roseanne? So that was quite the dig back. But you ever been to Clear Lake, Iowa? I have not. I've not. I don't, I've never been to Iowa, period. No, me neither. Yeah. No. no. Does it, I, I, don't, I don't foresee it on the scorecard anytime soon. Maybe someday we'll go to the Slipknot Music Festival and we'll go check it out. Like one of those... Uh, if I get the inkling to go to all 50 states, I guess I'll have to to uh, hook it in. But uh, of all the states that I want to go to that I haven't been there, Iowa's probably towards the bottom. I can't it's got to be like, yeah, pretty low. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of. Sorry. Sorry to our Iowa listeners. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think of any. Like, it may be the last. <laughs> it may be 50 for me. I don't know. 
I mean, like the Field of Dreams field, is that there? Or is that in Indiana? Or... No, it's not Indiana. That might be Iowa. Okay. So maybe that's maybe that's something at least, I guess. Let's see. Field of Dreams. I think it's Iowa. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Um, All right. Well, that's something. There that's we something. go. There's, there's something to go. I mean, I actually, like, no joke, I think it'd be cool to see, um, like, an Iowa wrestling meet. Yeah. Iowa University. And uh, I, I would actually like to see uh, Iowa versus Iowa State in football. I had a coworker who was like super into amateur wrestling, him and his son. And they actually used to travel to like that South the nationals and everything like St. Louis. And I'm sure they went to Iowa before too. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good call. All All right. right. This is the reason to go. We'll go. We we came around on you. (laughs) Uh, Our next max match is um, Masahiro Chono versus Alex Wright. Nick Patrick is your referee. Chono attacks before the bell. Uh, I thought Nick Patrick had a funny moment where the camera cuts to him and he turns his uh, hat backwards and like looks so proud of himself and cool. It was like, uh, mm-hmm. oh, it was like George with uh, oh like, yeah, like um, Tony was yeah, yeah. yeah, yep, the yeah. bimbo. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> he, he thought he was like hot shit, king shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the announcers are talking about the uh, disadvantage the WCW wrestlers will be. Up against it sold out with Patrick mm-hmm. being the referee. Wright uh, fires Chono in the corner. Insiguri and a head scissors takeover. Shoulder block by Chono and a back leg kick. Um, and then Alex Wright gets a couple of near falls. And we get like a insanely slow two count from Nick Patrick. Um, which is pretty funny. Uh, one point Chono blankly throws Alex Wright over the top rope with no DQ called. Uh, nice sunset flip from the top rope, and that gets another real slow two count. Nick Patrick's like holding his shoulder, saying that's acting up. <laughs> um, and then Wright just like kicks Patrick. <laughs> He's just at it. Yeah. I love that. Uh, but he misses a dive from the top, and then a mafia kick ends it very quickly for Chono. So this was another like enhancer match. But I thought uh, Alex Wright was able to kind of elevate it a little bit. Why do you tell me we had the war thing on the screen? You didn't notice? Yeah, I didn't want to. I changed it. Wanted to be nice. Sorry to anyone watching on the video if we misled. Somebody, somebody may be screaming. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about 2008 WWE. No, bring no. It to you. Yeah. But no, uh, I, I thought Alex Wright elevated this match a little bit. So I went two and a quarter. I, I enjoyed this for what it was. We're in line tonight mainly. I went two and a quarter on this as well. Um, you know, good point too on the, on the commentary. They say that because... Hogan, Giant, and Steiner's Outsiders are for the WCW belts. The committee may force WCW referees to be included mm-hmm. by the NWO. So it's little things like that that they're really good at right now. Like, explain why we may see a WCW ref instead of Nick Patrick in the title match at Sold Out. Like, give us a reason. Well, it's a WCW belt, so we're making that part of the condition. Um, yeah, right. I mean, I always like right, and I think we're. I think 97 may be his best year. I think we're going to see some good stuff from him. Um, and uh, I liked him finally snapping and kicking Patrick. I thought that was good. I liked that Patrick was going to call the DQ. And it was like, oh, wait, now he's hurt. So let's let Jonah win. It's like uh, an and one. Like, you want to call the foul, but you wait to see if the hoop goes in. And then, I'll just take the basket, right? I'm not going to call the foul. Uh, That's what it felt like. You let him take the basket. A lot of talk about Piper and the Gaelic rambling as well through this. So we're still keeping Piper in our minds um, from Stargate. Uh, All storyline here. But Wright got some offense. He looked good. Uh, And then into the finish. So 
Yeah, I'm glad I didn't do the DQ. I actually like that, Patrick. Let him take the win. I, that Me was better. Too. Me so, too. two and a quarter. Uh, total package T-shirt shield by was, Public Enemy. So this was twenty-two dollars plus six dollars shipping and handling. The NWO yeah. shirt was twenty plus five. So what's what's the extra three bucks for here? We get one more shirt shield that's also twenty plus five coming up. So, so why was the Luger shirt more? I don't know. I've always liked the shirt though. Actually, yeah. uh, I, I might be looking at uh, this, this one might make an appearance in Philly if I can if I can find <laughs> a. Uh, well, maybe it was the supply and demand. Maybe they knew the, the Luger shirt was beloved um, yeah. more, and they figured it was worth worth the extra three bucks. I don't I don't know about Public Enemy as the salesman, but um, this is kind of interesting. You know, with inflation around these days, like T-shirts from wrestling companies, that's one of the things that hasn't really... No. I mean, you know, they're what, like new shirts now or what? I'm, I think they're probably oversupplied on a lot of those. That's why. So they, I mean, homage and others always have like tons of BOGO deals and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. That's one of the things that really hasn't, like when you look at it, most everything else, 40, 50%, maybe right. what it was at least. Um, all right. Yeah. <laughs> our, our next match uh, Scott Flash Norton versus Eddie Guerrero Nick Patrick's the referee again uh, Patrick does a long kind of check of Eddie's boots tights uh, he turns around and does it to Norton and Eddie spanks him on the uh, butt <laughs> and Nick Patrick like immediately like threatens that he's gonna DQ him I thought that was funny uh, they hype up the ladder match a lot. Bobby 20 gets, foot ladder, they say. Like, like Bobby gets a little carried away saying he's heard rumors it's a 20 foot ladder. Um, but uh, you know, pretty good hype job there. Uh, Norton starts off asserting his power by winning some face offs, big power slam. Uh, he goes for it again, but Eddie's able to roll out and get a quick pin. Eddie then starts drop kicking the legs. So, this is a big, like, you know, Jack in the mm-hmm. Giant, you know, beanstalk, whatever type match, David Goliath, whatever you want to say. Uh, Eddie goes after the leg, he tries some chops. Norton sl- shrugs that off. A nasty chop from Norton gets some big hoos from the crowd. Um, Eddie does a drop kick that Norton basically like swats him like a fly off of a worn arm suplex, which looked really cool. Huge power slam that even Tony calls awesome on commentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a nasty power bomb. That, that power bomb was up. vicious. It, real dominant performance. This may be the best Norton's look. Mm-hmm. Like he looked like a monster here. Um, Eddie, Eddie's a great bumper. So this this was a very cool like cat and mouse. You know, like just a great contrast match. Uh, Eddie catches Norton going to the top, hits a Rana Ford roll roll from the top, gets missed by Eddie. And then uh, we get, I thought, a really cool finish where DDP makes his way through the ringside. Norton hits a shoulder charge onto Eddie, but he also takes out Nick Patrick in the process. Both Eddie and Nick Patrick roll out of the ring. DDP comes in, gives the diamond cutter to Scott Norton, wearing a Packers shirt. Crowd goes ballistic for that. Mm -hmm. He goes through the crowd. You know, everybody's celebrating. And then Eddie sends Nick Patrick back into the ring. He hits a frog splash on the back of Norton and then pins him. And uh, you can tell, like, um, that uh, Nick Patrick did not want to do the count. Yeah, he makes it. He has to because Norton's out. So uh, Eddie gets the win. 
Really fun match. Really surprised. I think this is one of these great matches that, like, if you want to talk about the greatness of Eddie Guerrero, Mm -hmm. it's like you can point to this. And this was the type of matches I think he was having, too, in 1995, where he was one of our, like, cornerstones of those early Nitros where when you think about the best matches in Eddie Guerrero's career, like, this isn't the Brock Lesnar title win. This isn't, you know, an all absolute classic that he, you know, Halloween Havoc 97, whatever. But when you start padding a resume, mm-hmm. this is one of those, oh yeah, he went two for five tonight, stole a base, like yeah. made a great play in the field. It's like, oh, great game. And Eddie had it. So I, I had a lot of fun with this match. Norton again looked really dominant too. And then you add on the finish at the end. This is the shortest match ton of fun three stars yep three for me as well um you know i like the pairing it, was, it looked uh, cool on paper there you go um we're, we're at wf today a lot of tech issues we're gonna call them out coughing on coughing off mic coughing on mic wrong slate all right we are where we are right now dusty uh calls eddie his texican friend out of the start right there so um i like norton just being smug and talking shit right away as soon as he gets any offense in um the commentators too talk about how the end of bodyguards for hogan and that's why norton was such a big addition for them because they were all out there just to protect him in the title you mentioned that power bomb was nasty the pop for ddp is awesome um and this is where stuff like the nwo being so dominant for months paid off because now any little win by WCW feels like a big moment. So when DDP gets in there, hits that diamond cutter, and Eddie beats Norton, on the surface, it's like a nothing for NWO. Right. Whatever. But because they've been so dominant, when this happens, it feels like a chip away. You know, it feels like you're down nine, right? Yeah. Joe Torre used to always say, famously, when he's managing the Yankees, like, small bite, small bite, small bite. So you're down eight or nine? Well, get a run in this inning, get a run in that inning. And that's kind of where WCW is at right now. Like, just take just chip away at the lead of the NWO, make dents. And that's what they're doing with stuff like this. So sneaky, good match. Uh, you know, Norton shows off his power. Eddie was tough fighting through it. The snap offense from, from Norton looked great. Um, you know, as usual, Eddie, like you said, his selling and his feeding was so good. And the finisher DDP was great. So yeah, three stars for me, a really fun segment. And I'll take this over, you know, some of the stuff like the Harlem Eat squash or whatever that they're trying to use to get Go guys ahead. over. Uh, giant promo. You want to <laughs> share your notes on that, and then I can chime in. Yeah, it wasn't much. I mean, he just he issued his final warning to Hogan. He says Hogan has used him, but he's been smartened up. He's seen the light, and Hogan's future is, in wrestling is very dim after sold out. So that's pretty focused by Giant. You know, he's mm-hmm. been keeping it pretty simple since the turn. Uh, just 100% focused on Hogan, not really paying lip service to WCW. Uh, he's really just there because he's pissed at Hogan using him in the NWO and keeping him at bay, and he wants the gold. So he's keeping it tight. He uh, literally lights a match and blows it out here. Um, the background of this felt kind of Miami Vice-ish. Like he has yeah, yeah. A, like, there's like pink lights <laughs> running through um, the background here. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a different. It was interesting. I thought Giant was focused, though. I, I thought this was good. I thought this was fine. I mean, you know, it was what it was. Uh, then Tony runs down this Sony contest, the Sony PlayStation contest, like where a bunch of people are coming in to, to 
battle has almost felt like the karate fighters, but on Sony PlayStation. But um, there you go. Uh, that leads us to Benoit versus Sullivan. Falls count anywhere. You know this. Again, that's my first note. Dusty says this is a domestic dispute. So there we go. He's, he's all fired up for that. <clears throat> Sullivan bells right away. Oh, and says, well, hey. what, one quick thing about... Um... Hang on, sorry, I missed this. Promotional consideration again was right. uh, Chef Boyer D and Slim Jim, but now Hot Pockets. Are you a mm-hmm. Hot Pockets fan? No. Okay, me neither. How about Lean Pockets? Mm. Okay. Um, but Tony then talks about the PlayStation Toeball yeah. 1 Tournament of Champions. Did you yeah. uh, not mark down all the winners, though? Do what now? The winners. The names of the winners. I did not. Okay, I did. Do you want to go over oh, them? Let's, let's. I painstakingly paused and wrote all of them down. So the finalists are going to Super Brawl weekend. Here we go. Jim Simpson from Lake City, Tennessee. Matt McDonald from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Heath Phillips from Ogden, Vermont. Donald William Bird of Harrisburg, North Carolina. Duke Park from Warrington, Oregon. Rick Rice Jr. from Glendale, Arizona. Mona Little from East Liverpool, Ohio. Jeff Spindler from Anaheim, California, Austin Briner from Milledgeville, Georgia, and Clayton Caldwell from Bryan, Arkansas. I wanted to give them a shout because they may have never been named on TV again since that night on the class show. If any of them are watching, they get a second shout out here on the right. Yeah, it'll be like uh, when you had the May family on or whatever from like males, yeah. Male, yeah, male family. All right, P. Wes. Uh, did you ever play the play toe ball? I don't I can't say I have. But... No. So yeah. well there you go. There's the winners of the toe ball tournament of champions <laughs> going go to San Fred. Yeah, I would have had my PlayStation at this point because I got that Christmas ninety six. Oh wow. Uh, you were early on the PlayStation. Yeah. I don't PlayStation's weird because it was it was uh we moved to Alabama in ninety six and I, I think I've mentioned this, like I didn't have a Super Nintendo. Like I went straight from Nintendo to PlayStation. That's a big jump on consoles. And I don't know like how my mom like She's usually not very hip on like the cool item. That's early. Um, that must have been right yeah. around when it yeah it came out. I think it was oh, a year cool. after it came out because it wasn't ninety. Was it ninety six or ninety seven? Nintendo sixty four. Because I think the next year I got Nintendo sixty four. That was Christmas ninety seven. See, PlayStation One came out. God, December third, ninety four was PlayStation. Yeah, that's crazy. And maybe that's in Japan. I don't. I don't that seems like super early. It seems I I would have guessed ninety five though, yeah, because I knew like I got Crash Bandicoot like right there, and then I think I got maybe like I want to say Game Day ninety six, if I remember correctly, the one with Jamal uh Bettis on the cover, Jerome Bettis, yeah, Jerome Bettis, yeah. The uh, Nintendo sixty four was September twenty ninth ninety six, so even okay. that is crazy how that seems early. Um, I didn't get my PlayStation until 99. <laughs> uh, oh. Like, I never, I had Super Nintendo forever. And then um, I went to college. My roommate freshman year had PlayStation. I played the shit out of his to the point where he would, like, complain about it. <laughs> he's like, it's like, all right, you got to break it. You're playing it too much. Um, so then after freshman year, I basically told my mom, like, I need a PlayStation. I'm not going to survive the summer without it. I'm too hooked. <laughs> um, so I got mine. And then I got PS2 when I graduated college as a graduation gift. Yeah, I never had a PS2. I only had Xbox. I, I became an Xbox guy. I think I've had every PlayStation. I definitely yeah. had the two. I definitely had the three. Yeah, I had the four and the five. Yeah, I've had them all. 
PS5 was my first one since PlayStation 1 because I did uh, Xbox, Xbox 360, and then skipped a generation. And then I look forward to my tradition of buying Madden, playing five games, and then getting the next one next year at this point. That's where my yeah. life's at. <laughs> but there we go. But yeah, so uh, I had the PlayStation, but was only doing Crash Bandicoot. So there you go. Uh, so now, yeah, the fight starts right away. They brought it outside into the crowd. They go. Um, we talked about the chaos last mm-hmm. night or on Nitro, how they couldn't keep the crowd control. So they brought in some reserves <laughs> for this one. Bobby Eaton is out there, mm-hmm. uh, tried to corral the crowd into the bathroom. They go. It looks like an elementary school bathroom. Yeah, I think they canvassed the bathroom, too. So. Yeah. Um, well, they go no in the women's room, so yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no one in there. <clears throat> oh no, it's the men's room. But Dusty says he's excited for women to get to see what urinal. Yeah, can like. see because this had like the yeah. long urinal. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He um, says, "Oh, women can finally see what urinals look like." <laughs> yeah, this, this had a stack of them, like the real long urinals. Which, um, <laughs> another quick detour. Have we ever talked about like um, at my high school? Uh, in the uh, football field around this time, we still had essentially like the trough. Oh, God. Where, you know, it was just the wide whatever. Where the everybody, bucket. Yeah, it was essentially like a long bucket that everybody was going into. It was it was very primitive. I can't believe they ever did that. And like public, public, I mean, yeah, this was a public stadiums like, had oh, troughs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was a 10-year-old whizzing in front of you know all these adults and everything else it's it's a little the circle troughs are even worse the one the fucking like that because now you're looking at at least the regular trough you're like kind of not really you can kind of not look the circle ones like you're looking at the person across from you basically i distinctly remember the one at the old high school was it was in the middle like oh my god that's even worse you could be like crossing swords if you were hitting it at the right spot yeah yeah it, it was pretty wild anyway so this brawl they're they're they're, they're fighting um benoit goes hard into the towel to spitzer benoit throws a trash can it hits jimmy hart then sullivan gets thrown into the towel to spitzer it actually gets ripped uh, out it's a nasty spot of the too. wall he yeah crushes benoit with that <laughs> a very humorous moment where randy anderson like Steps into the urinal and slips. <laughs> Dusty's and had, dying. Dusty I know he had to, like it was like quicksand, like yeah, he yeah. was just like frozen <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, oh god! A clothesline from Sullivan gets out on the bathroom floor, which Dusty, you know, was losing his mind over. Of course, like can you believe it? Uh, Benoit gets sent into the heater. Back outside they go, and it's complete mayhem again. Like the cameraman can't keep up woman doesn't go into the crowd this time so she learned her lesson last time where she you know on nitro had to take off her shoes and was screaming to try to get towards them uh Benoit takes a nasty bump down the steps mm-hmm. just like they that's happened every time they fought but yeah. this one was really sick uh dillinger comes back down and he got drenched with beer or something like he's wearing like a yellow shirt that's just like full of liquids back into the ringside they go a tree of woe from sullivan double stop onto the stomach heart 
calls for the megaphone, but the uh, him and Randy Anderson are kind of wrestling over it, and Sullivan's distracted. That allows a woman to get in with the wooden chair. She whacks Sullivan with it. It doesn't break, uh, but Sullivan's uh, incapacitated because of that, and Benoit pins him for the victory. And then uh, Benoit ends up getting the chair and absolutely demolishes Sullivan with it. Uh, it goes into a million pieces uh, to end it. So, uh, I, I mean, it is what it is with these two. Yeah. Like, it's Rinse a, repeat, but it works. It's it's still chaotic feeling. It's still, you know, unlike anything we're seeing really on WCW or WWF programming at the time. So it, it still feels cutting edge and personal. And I mean, it was, so it's not much of a work there, but um, entertaining as far as a standalone brawl. So I went three and a quarter. I think Jimmy slid the chair into that woman uses. So that, that backfires mm. like as they're arguing. Nice. Um, Dusty says, Jimmy sounds like a Yamanchi as they're brawling. That's just one of his go-tos. He used to say that about a woman, too. She's yelling, yelling like a Yamanchi out there. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, there's nothing else to say. It's right on brand. Usual insane brawl. These guys are maniacs. You think at some point it'll get old, but it really hasn't. Like, it still kind of hits. Um, mm-hmm. Dusty had so much. Like, that was one thing we missed on Nitro was him being a fucking nut during the match. Um, yeah. That adds a lot to it because he's so into it and so won over by it. Um, woman helps Benoit win. You would think this would be it. It felt like a blow off, uh, the way they do it. But as we know, it's, it's going to rage on for a while still. Um, the horsemen again, seem united on this night. They pick up a big win. So I went three stars usual. Nice. Uh, come back. Uh, we get to the ad for that other, <laughs> where the big boys play WCW shirt, Doug and Shilla. It's a uh, 1995, but this is $6 shipping and handling. So we've had, $20 shirt with $5 shipping and handling, a $22 shirt with $6 shipping and handling, and now a $20 shirt with $6. So the prices are different on every single shirt in one way or another. Like, what is, why are they using the same fucking place? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of wild. That's got to be a nightmare to keep up with accounting wise. For right, why is this an extra dollar? Unless these are old ads, and like, maybe that's the only thing I can think of is that they changed the pricing. That's on possible stuff. too. Yeah, they're just airing old ads. It's just, Odd. I mean, we you can change the, slate, though. You know, we haven't seen the WCW magazine in a while. Yeah, no, maybe we're done with that. That's sad. Uh, so uh, it's the amazing French Canadians versus the Steiner brothers. The anthem gets cut off with the Steiner line. <laughs> um, the outsiders are backstage and they clown on the Steiners over the house <laughs> mic. Yeah. Um, Scott kind of has his new look here. So this is a debut of his. Uh, Black, uh, I don't know. It's like leather. Yes, get up here. Um, yeah, his uh, his his new get up. Um, so big bro to start. Um, they take a break when the Steiners come off the top, and the amazing French Canadians bail the outside. Dusty was losing his mind that they were about to go to break before the Steiners fly off the top rope. Um, when we come back, the amazing French Canadians are double teaming. We were we're told they kind of took over during the break, got a game plan and gain the advantage over Rick. Uh, but Rick pretty quickly ducks and uh, clotheslines both amazing French-Canadians. Scott gets the hot tag. Big back buddy drop on Carlet. Power slam to Jock as he's thrown onto Carlet. Uh, then they uh, get a belly-to-belly. The flag shot from Jock Rougeau is missed. Uh, Doomsday DDT from the top rope onto 
Ouellette, and that gets the Steiner Brothers a win. So, I mean, this broken record. This is kind of our third like showcase enhancer mm-hmm. type match. Um, again, I thought this one was pretty entertaining with the Steiner Brothers doing their two do- uh, big double team power moves. Um, this one was a little interesting though because I mean, these guys like a few years earlier had some great matches in WWL. It, it, it was a little alarming that it f- shows how far off the amazing French Canadians came in a short And same time. with, the, I think, the Steiners, too. Like, they've just changed. Like, Scott is not nearly as athletic, right? His, his, he's still good in the ring, but it's his different style now. It's more straight power versus kind of the hybrid he used to do. So I think that's part of it. I mean, he's, he's definitely rusty. But, yeah, the Canadians have greatly fallen off. Yeah. Um, I'll stand by my stance that they should be in the WF right now. Like, I think there's such a lack of depth in the WF and the tag division. And there's so many other teams in WCW. They're not blending with the style here. Whereas I think they could have been a benefit to the WF in 96 uh, for sure. So, and they had some name value still. You could have had Jean-Pierre Lafitte be Jean-Pierre Lafitte with Jacques. Like if you wanted to do a hybrid, cause he was still, you know, he had some good stuff as the pirate. Right. So you could have like, yeah, I mean, he's like yeah. a little over a year from having that really good match with Brett. And that was right. Brett, but. It's it's crazy. Like they feel so old. And he's still so going dated. today. <laughs> yes, nuts. I think it's the gimmick. I think like WCW is just, this is why I think they'd be better in WF with the shtick. Like WCW is just kind of past this, like singing the Canadian national anthem. Parker mm-hmm. feels like kind of dated. Like mm-hmm. they just they feel old like old in a in a promotion that's really like kind of light years ahead of where everything else is at. Like, mm-hmm. I just think they would have been better foils to, like, the Smoking Guns and whoever else in the WWF at this point. Like, they could have been there. Um, uh, what would you have for a grade? Two and a quarter. Yeah, I had a two. I mean, I, I'm okay this is a showcase because the Steiners need to be showcased, right? It's their first match back. You want to have them have a match before sold out. I like the idea that they're back, though, because we finally have a team that could maybe give the Outsiders a run. Like, they haven't really, besides Sting and Luger, in the Face of Fear had a fun match with them, but, like, they haven't had a true like bellwether team that could give them a run for the belts um, since they've been dominant on top. So this will be a chance to see, can they outlast the Steiners? Um, I like them being on the, on the house, mic, crapping on the Steiners. Scott's hair was a disaster in this match. Like it's (laughs) really chaotic. Uh, Tony says, Oh, DDP was a low level human, but now he's taking a stand that they respect. It's quite the dig. Um, Rick and Scott also don't match. Like Scott's got the black leather, but Rick's still yeah. got the colorful stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, no stinger savage. Tony notes that like they're not here. What's going on. So typical TV tags and brawling. Um, the finish was fine. It shows that Scott's healthy. He's juiced out of his fucking mind and they're <laughs> ready for the pay-per-view. Just some classic 1993 raw, raw action here. Two stars. All right. To our main event. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yep. Lex Luger versus Scott Hall. Pretty big match. Mm-hmm. Six and Nash are out with Hall. Uh, again, they run down the shield of the upcoming dates, including that Nitro of the Omni. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony gives a happy birthday to Brian Hildebrand, who turns 25 <laughs> today. Big fan of WCW for a long time. That was and wouldn't you know who the referee is in this match? It's Mark Curtis. Um, so uh, good power stuff by Luger to start. On the outside, Luger takes out six, but gets hit by Nash. Some more cheap shots with six. Hall covers with his feet on the ropes. I thought they did a good job in the early going of this match, showing the like NWO numbers game, how like mm-hmm. 
Luger's doing his best to thwart off all the attacks, but there's just too many. It's coming too hot and heavy. Uh, Hall works Luger over. Good heat from the crowd, of course. Mm-hmm. Be expected of these two. Uh, Luger trips up Hall, crotches him on the post. Luger then does a springboard drop kick inside the ring, which was hot as hell, but I thought it was really cool. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's ever done that again. Um, Bobby even mentions it. Like, I've never seen him do that before. It was very odd. Atomic drop from Luger, big sell by Hall. Then he gives three <laughs> inverted atomic drops. Uh, power slam, he calls for the rack. That brings in the troops. Nash and Six hop up on the apron, get beat up. Uh, nice power slam of Six on the Nash. The uh, torture rack is applied, but uh, Nash is able to recover, get back into the ring. Luger gives a forearm smash to Nash. Uh, Luger then starts beating up Hall in the corner. He's kind of in between both of them. He goes back to Nash, and the numbers game catches up to him. Hall attacks. Six comes in. We get the bell call finally for the DQ here. So pretty cheap finish. Uh, but then we get the finishing run where Nash gives Luger the big boot. Here comes the Steiners for backup. Dusty's all fired up for this as he feels a rumble coming. <laughs> uh, big Pier Six brawl here. Scott and Nash are paired off on the outside. Scott sends Nash into the railing on the outside. And then uh, essentially we get our finish where the NWO retreats and WCW is kind of standing tall to end the night. Um, As a main event match, like as far as a TV match, I I enjoyed this a lot. Like I thought Luger looked really good. I thought they did a good job of showing the numbers advantage again with the NWO. Uh, Nash was bumping like crazy. Like he's been very giving the last couple of weeks between the way he's bumped for Luger, yeah. the way he's bumped for Paige. So, so he's he's been in a giving mood in that regard, and Scott Steiner too. So we'll we'll see if that keeps up. Um, six is always good to go flying off of uh, somebody interfering. Um, and overall, I thought this was a very productive, enjoyable main event. Three stars for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, Luger just looks amazing. Like he shredded on the roll of a lifetime. Uh, funny moment: the pyro goes off and Dusty freaks out. He thinks he's on fire. Like he's just he's having a night. Uh, the crowd buzz is big. For, like I said, this is a big match. Like Hall hasn't had many singles matches and um, just one actually. Right? This I think it may be. Yeah, his first match game. on Nitro was the night before. So, yeah. So this I is, mean, this was his second fresh. TV match. Um, I thought Luger looked awesome fighting off the NWO, like he was crushing them. Like he wasn't just like, you know, it was quite a, just what a rally when he gets to power slam, goes to the rack, fights off Nash, fights off six. Like he's just looks amazing out there the whole time. Um, I like the signers immediately getting involved. Like Scott's back. They want a match. Now they're, they're going to stand with Luger, right? Luger has been on his own for a while now. Now he's got the signers in his corner giant. We'll see, like maybe he'll get involved too, but for right now, Luger's finally got some backup. A little WF93 as well here with Luger and the Steiners uh, teaming up, take on the foreign foreign invaders. But um, so that was cool. But a pretty solid main event. I mean, energy and bombs. The crowd was engaged. It's good to see Hall just working in the ring like he's so good. Uh, Luger is the top dog. I mean, he's used great. Um, we get the expected NWO interference, but we almost get the clean rack win. I mean, you can extrapolate to yourself and say Luger had him beat. So it's a win for Luger in, in many ways that he had Hall for the count until um six, six and nash got involved but mm-hmm. uh plenty of spotlight some good matches and quick matches on the evening uh no savage and sting to me was interesting mm-hmm. as well not even at the end i thought maybe they'd pop up in the rafters like standing up in the rafters yeah yeah 
Um, so I went two and three quarters, so not not far off from you. Very good main event, TV main event. All right, and that ends our show. So That's it. Two, two hours of action, and we're done. <laughs> All right, let's uh, do some awards then. Uh, match of the Knights, I had Dragon uh, Malenko. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird one for me because it's like, I don't know, it may actually be my third favorite match, like just favorite, <laughs> right. but yeah. Star-wise, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, for a moment, I know the end was good. I, I ended up with the Horseman interview. Like, I know the Benoit stuff was kind of chilling, but it was cool to see them put them back on track every night. The crowd was into it. I like when Benoit and Mongo like kind of get the shine a little bit as well in here. So um, that, but I could, the Luger brawl at the end was, is up there too. Okay. I did a pages diamond cutter. Yeah, that was great too. Uh, all right. MVP. I had Malenko, but I don't know. I'm debating now Luger or page as well. Who did you have? I want Luger. Yeah. I'm going to change my to Luger. I thought recapping that main event again, how awesome he looks. Yeah. Um, no shots fired. No, uh, we've had less with no Bischoff. I mean, that's been one of the big changes on uh, yeah. the WCW side. I mean, it's been less overall. We've actually had more yeah. on Raw. No, no Bischoff on this yeah. show too. Which yeah, you mentioned no Hogan, no Bischoff, no Savage, no Sting. Uh, only Hall and Nash at the end. Yeah, uh, you know, no Vincent. Um, and Hall and Nash were just at the tail end. They weren't. Yeah, yeah, they weren't. And really then Giant did the promo. But yeah, that was he it. Might perform. You know, on, so I mean, star power wise, like we have, like to this crowd, like you have Nash out there and you have Hall Wrestling and Luger, but besides them three, like it's it's a pretty lackluster. You know, we talked about that because like how they've stacked up other shows. Yeah, like this crowd didn't get. Savage, Sting, Giant, Hogan, or Flair in no. front of them, or Piper. So that's six guys that are kind of in the mix right now. Yeah, I mean, um, Luger and Hall are pretty much their biggest mm-hmm. that they got, so, and Nash. Yep, so they, they missed more than half of the big boys. I think, like, I like the Giant piece of it, though, like, not coming out, because he's focused on Hogan. Yep. Hogan's not there. He's yep. not involved, right? He's yep. not part of this war right now. He's only focused on taking out Hogan. He's going to get involved. And, but. and he said, too, like, in his promos, he's not like Mr. WCW either. And right. him and Luger have the history. So, yeah. 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 It was good. All right. Uh, so, no shots fired. No debuts, right? I think all those Lucha guys have been on before. No, yeah. I had to look up Parka, but he had one match in November. Yeah. I was like, have we seen him? But, yeah. Uh, Road Report was Des Moines. No Japanese. Uh, did Chono use the Japanese music? Um, he, he, no, I think he, he used the NWO music. Yeah, Chono used the NWO music. Yeah. Ultimo used his usual theme. So I, th- I okay. think we're clear. Uh, so final grade, I went seven out of ten. I mean, I, I think it was a very good clash. Like, I enjoyed the two hours. Had a lot of pretty good matches. We showcased. I mean, yeah, we're lacking the big boys, but I still think this was, you know, effective enough to get you hyped or sold out in some points. Um, I think it could have been better. I think what carried it really is those in ring of like. The Benoit match, the Malenko match, the main event mm-hmm. really carried the show. The return of the Steiners was well done. Dusty was awesome. So there's a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, I do think, again, this should have been a different week, though. I think it was just too much overload in this week. Um, and it almost feels like they were overwhelmed a bit. So I think putting this clash as a bridge, because you have Thursday Raw Thursday coming up, too. So like it could have been good if they did it that week or something. Like, yeah. you know, do it the dog show week to really double down on, on WCW solo action. Um, I think it would have been better as a bridge to Super Brawl than jammed in this go home to sold out. 
Yeah, there's a weird thing. I wonder if, like, for some reason, TBS didn't want this during the February sweeps, but Maybe. yeah, it sucks. Um, Sold out also isn't like a typical pay per view, so the build isn't going to be normal. So it's like, no, they didn't really build to that weird show that well here without with this, such a little NWO presence on this program. It's like we're building to an NWO pay per view, and like you said, half the big guys aren't even yeah. aren't even around. Um, but this was the format, so maybe they just had it pegged for January because 95, 96, or with January, August, January, August. So yeah, maybe that's this is what they're doing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways sold out may have screwed them more than. Well, yeah, I'm guessing that wasn't on the books originally, right? So, and they haven't had a January or, or an August pay per view right. until 96. They added Hog Wild, but um, yeah, so right, they added a January pay per view at the last minute, maybe, and that that fucked with it more. And the clash was probably already set. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I want seven out of ten too. Like, it's not, you know, kind of how we talked about in the beginning of the show. Like, it's not one you really remember. It's not one I'd say you need to run out immediately and rewatch. But you throw it on, it's a very enjoyable hour and a half. Is what it runs on the network. So, yeah, if you're looking for some classic early '97 WCW, like it's it's a good way to go about. Yeah, it, I know? thought it was good. Good show, you know, nothing atrocious, nothing outstanding, just good. All right, well, we'll be back in two weeks. We're going to continue our run at WCW. We have sold out in 97, so it'll be an interesting one to relive uh, and to go through. So looking forward to that. And then a month from today, we'll be back on Monday with the Raw versus Nitro on the night after, or two nights after sold out, I guess. And we're really marching towards some uncharted waters for WF as well, like a lot of uncertainty coming in February and March for them. So that's welcome after very stale 1996. Yeah. Check out everything in the North South Connection. We have a ton of content every day. Uh, a lot of stuff on our YouTube channel that's exclusive to video. So just subscribe and be sure to check everything out. You don't want to miss it. A lot of it's evergreen, so you can kind of come back to it, right? It's not a lot of timely stuff you need to dive into. We do have some, but uh, be sure to check that out. Subscribe, follow us on social media. So then, smell the napalm. We'll talk to you soon. Decisions bugger me. If you don't want me, set me free. Exactly who I'm supposed to be. Don't you know which clothes even fit me? Come on and let me know. Should I cool it or should I blow?